Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us this week, Missy Clifton, our host Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So here we are. It's another day in paradise in our little downtown nook where we hang out during the week. There's people out there on the street that I tell you, folks, it. it all you got to do if you feel like uh, your life is not <laughs> got enough going on, come come visit downtown Lexington sometime and uh, just be a, be a voyeur into the ongoing panoply of human experience that takes place out on our sidewalks. You might be somewhat amazed. Um, I'm going to read to you from the uh, first epistle of the Apostle Peter. First Peter, the first chapter and the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein? You greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So, you know, the elections took place over a week ago, and I'm still digesting uh, a lot of what happened. And we all live in local areas, and we live in the locality of Lexington, Kentucky, and we had the uh, elections for the uh, local government offices for the mayor and all the council members. It's interesting uh, what seems to have taken place in in a rather resounding fashion, uh, which sort of makes one wonder about the electorate here in our city. Uh, the in in the election for the mayor. Um, the status quo was voted for uh, overwhelmingly. That is the re-election of the mayor who uh, has the support of uh, lots of business people in this city and lots of big landowners out in the uh, county or what used to be the county part of the city, which is all city now. I mean, city and county uh, boundaries are contiguous at this point. So she is, that was definitely a vote for the status quo, but in the the, uh, elections for the um, various council seats, uh, it was anything but a vote for the status quo. It seemed to be a vote for the uh, let's take it all apart and build it back differently crowd. Now, I don't fully get that. Um, I'm not sure there's any real ideological a tag you can place on all of that. I think it had to do with who had the best uh, campaigns. The uh, guy that was opposing um, Linda uh, for mayor obviously uh, did not run a very um, deep or robust campaign. We we had him on our show a couple of times and. You know, I, I haven't heard from him in three weeks, so I don't know what happened with with him, uh, but uh, probably saw the handwriting on the wall and just decided to fade into the woodwork. Um, and, you know, that was a sort of a misfire. And But it appears that, that in some of these other offices, and it's puzzling to me because – you take a Richard Maloney who has been 
on the council for years, and and he gets voted out in favor of uh, a lot of newcomers that I'm not exactly sure where they are. You've got a guy, Dan Wu, who is going to be the vice mayor. Um, I think you would have to describe him as a progressive and with many of the other council seats, that's going to be the same thing. Now, the question that I would have, are they okay with a mayor who seems to be very much uh, comfortable with the status quo and the big money types funding her campaign? You know, my question is, what happens to the people in this city who don't have a voice because we see them on a daily basis. My question to them would be, do you want a voice? You know, are you interested in, in what goes on here? There are people who are homeless folks that come through this town on a regular, I get this feeling. It's very strange. I'm downtown a lot. I get the feeling of there's just this tremendous turnover of characters that we see coming and going. And I wonder, are they really from here? Are these, you know, homegrown people in Lexington that have just fallen on hard times? Or are they part of some great uh, uh, trek? of homelessness that just happens to come through this town every now and then. I, I don't know. I get, I, I, I have that feeling. I mean, you live downtown. I don't know what your thought is on that, Missy, but it seems like there's a changing cast of characters to me. You mean in the kind of the street folks? Yeah. And the people you see on the streets, a lot of backpacks. It's like sure. they're on their way somewhere. Yeah, just on the way back from lunch and to, you know lunch today, uh, past two separate individuals that were, uh, you know, towing all their belongings with and all wrapped up in blankets and whatnot. Just yeah, I mean, but I get this feeling that sometimes people actually come here to be homeless, that they're not from Lexington originally. It so what is the electorate? What what electorate or what is the demographic? You know, I, I see a certain thing. You go from, say, the edge of UK all the way to Southland, out Nicholasville Road. The the uh, the uh, neighborhoods out there. That's going to be deep blue territory. A lot of Black Lives Matter signs, things like that. You go over here on Kramer, uh, back from Main Street over to Winchester Road, same kind of thing. So the the demographic of this town, the, 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 these elections would, I think that actually the old Fayette County Democrats don't realize how their own party has changed. I'm just curious as what, so with with the vote and the kind of the change over in some of the new faces, my question really, I, you know, for myself, I can only speak for myself, um, I want a fiscally responsible city council and mayor that operate within the frameworks of 
the budget that they have to work I with. I can't tell that it went that direction. And, and that's that that that's a little concerning to me that, you know. Unless somebody surprises you. Uh, unless so. one of these uh, new people decides, you know what, this is kind of a you-know-what show, and it's got to get fixed and changed. But, but I cannot see. And the problem is I don't think – I swear I don't think some people really understand – that there's not an unlimited supply of money for uh, for a uh, a local government. I I really think there are a lot of people out there who think that the cities can just get money from the federal government and have money, and that they don't realize that a city its revenue sources are well. In this case, it's that two and a quarter percent occupational license tax, which is effectively an income tax that comes off of everybody's salary that works here, a paycheck. And that is not an inexhaustible source of funds. Now, they get government money for this, and the government does all kinds of handouts. They, they give goodies to the cities and places. And so it, it, the line gets kind of blurred. But if you're thinking about it as a running, going concern, and not some um, social project, <laughs> you know, some uh, a social experiment, basically, that has unlimited possibilities and unlimited costs. If you look at it, the city, you know, all the boring things that a city does, pick up the garbage, keep the streets clean, you know, have a police force, um, Water and sewer, make sure that that exists. A lot of basic infrastructure stuff um, and not the social experiment stuff. You know, we, we only have a, so many streets that we can paint rainbows on. So many streets that we can take them from three lanes down to one lane and build gardens along the edge of it. I mean, there there's only so much of that that you can do. You know, with these experimental things, who is there there that's going to focus on, you know, making sure the garbage gets picked up? Right. I mean, there just, there's some, was it too much to ask that that the people running for these would just be good stewards of, of our city and our resources and provide, I mean, I'm sure my children would have loved for me to provide it all, everything that they ever asked for, all the wonderful things that I were going to... I can't believe you didn't. I know. Terrible mother that I was. But at the end of the day, you know, you make those decisions about uh, health, safety, um, the things that, you know, that, that make a difference. I want a safe city, the basic services, as you talked about. Um, you know, people want to feel safe. They want to live in a clean city. They want businesses treated fairly, people treated fairly. And it's interesting you call that social experiment. I, it, it's all the other stuff that is, it's nice, nice to have, but not at the expense of, of as I said, being fiscally responsible. So I, I, I think everybody in every form of government nowadays feels like they're on a social mission. I, I don't think it's very 
popular to think of being in government as just making sure that the trains run on time or, or whatever you either you know whatever you want to call it. I mean, we we have all these different things here, and you know, then our tax situation is really odd. Um, most of the property tax, if you own property, actually goes to the school system, which is constantly building projects and they'll build a building that's set up for 400 people and they have 200 or some sort of thing which you you're your uh, your research. Yeah, I wish so. I had my data in front of me because um, I I did I a little. You didn't know I was. I did a little deep dive on the on that information yeah. in the well, spending. Well, suffice it to say they they. Well, the you fact know. that they couldn't get five thousand signatures uh, for them to take a second look at the property tax increase yeah. kind of surprised me. The, I think the citizens in this town. I think there's a serious case of a sleep at the wheel with the citizens. I, d- I think we have been so thoroughly indoctrinated to the good of government and to the bad of business, or God forbid, the developers. If you look at the the, if you look at a lot of the major real estate in in this town, it is in the hands of uh, non-tax paying entities. That means. They they're not there to generate a profit and pay taxes. They're to, they're there to live off the taxpayer. That is the fact of Fayette County, LFUCG Kentucky. I mean, whether it be Lexington Fayette uh, or Fayette County Schools, Lexington Fayette Urban County Government, UK, the nonprofit hospitals, and then. <laughs> You get into the everything surrounding the city, and that's also subsidized land because it's all protected. There is no place for any – we are never going to have a major business here. Now, here's my hope that could come. Maybe some of these progressives that got elected to the LFUCG this time around are going to be advocates for people who can't find a job and are going to say, let's bust up this log jam of having all this land protected in, you know, where you can't go anywhere. Let's open up the urban service area. Let's bring some companies in that are going to hire people and I believe that would put downward pressure on our crime rate. It would give talented folks who don't want to just go work for UK or the school system or one of the hospitals some new, you know, Alltech, great company. It's in Nicholasville. Toyota, great company. It's in Georgetown. Where do you go if you want a good low to mid level job that's got an upward? potential trajectory not lexington unless you want to be in the nonprofit sector that's just what i think well what is it uh winston churchill i think is credited with saying the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter they don't really know what's going on but they think they do you know and they they have they have uh you know they have buttons of of interest that they want to talk about (laughs) <laughs> but 
Um, One of the times that I was at a city council meeting, I, I sat there and I watched all the people come up and um, I realized that everybody that was there was wanting something. Everybody that was in front of the council that, that I had uh, seen was there to get something that they wanted. They weren't there to implore you know, the council to do right by its citizens and, and, and do your job. They were there because they wanted this or they wanted that. So I think you're right. I watched a montage of uh, speaking of citizens getting up and talking because it, it takes time. You got to go sit at that meeting, sit there and listen to a lot of blah, blah, blah um, that just drones on and on until you finally get a moment to to say what you need to say. It was a montage of the folks in Maricopa County, Arizona, just ripping the election board. It was, uh, it was, it it was comical. I know, but you know, <laughs> you got to think some of those people are just scratching their heads right now. Maybe. There are a lot of us scratching our heads about the last election. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the second segment. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. In my 44 years in the investment business, I have found that the best time to invest in any type of security is when that security is in a bear market, similar to the times we are in now. If you've been thinking of investing, don't wait for the market to make a bottom. Consider beginning to average into your investment, knowing that while you may not be hitting the bottom, you will be getting an average price over time, which will probably be considerably lower than prices after the bear market is over. I have seen it work many times. Call us at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation review of your investment accounts. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the first hour. Joining us, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay, keep that plan. This is a guy named Daniel Cady, K-A-E-D-E. Now, he, he puts his music on this thing called Epidemic Sound. Epidemic Sound, I'm trying to figure out quite what it is. It's a thing you can, if you do podcasts and stuff like that, you can pull down music from there and use it. I think if you subscribe to it, you know, you get a licensing on all of it. He was also on this thing called Tidal, which was started by Jay-Z several years ago at a great fanfare. And, uh, but it's hard to find out much about the guy. It, it almost, he sounds like Phil Keegy, who, Keggy, K-E-A-G-G-Y, who is a guy that has toured and had a long career. But this guy sounds almost as good as him, but he just, just by looking at his stuff, he looks kind of reclusive. And it's kind of weird because you start thinking, is this just like an algorithm? Is the guy really a real guy? I mean, because it doesn't show him doing concerts or anything like that. Maybe it's just one of those bored, you know how they can make no, sound. I mean, that guy's stuff. really playing. I can hear, I can tell you by listening to it. No, it wasn't created by electronic. No, it wasn't. I, is it possible that there are people out there that are just super good musicians, but are just mortified of appearing in public, but they could sit behind a, you know, a computer or something but they're never going to go do live shows and, and things like that because that's just not what they do. I think there's a possibility that that's the case, that this guy might be one of them. I don't know. You know, it's like he has running. no social footprint. It, it's almost like running a campaign, political campaign, from your basement. I mean, you can do that stuff nowadays. You know, you can do uh, <laughs> Zoom. Uh, I mean, what the hell? I mean, excuse me. I, I've gotten close to the edge there um we live in a world where you know you can blow something up big time because people live in their phones and i'm i mean i say that because i do it myself you know what what's the difference between something that's real and something that's concocted now i can tell by listening that this guy is playing these notes they are not that good at computers nowadays to have created some guy out of thin air. He may be a person simply doesn't like to be around people. Like Joe Biden. I I don't know. I mean, I just have that feeling. But I do think we've crossed over into something, you know, with elections these days. I mean, look at a guy like John Fetterman. Okay, this guy, and it's interesting, uh, Pennsylvania knew they didn't have any problem with counting the votes on that one. They knew he was the new senator at 11 o'clock that night. Wasn't any slow walking that deal. Kind of interesting. Oh, they knew it. Yeah, by God, he's, you know, same thing with their governor. But you can do these things virtually and sort of appear to be this thing. And it's like, and in some cases, when you completely as you said, drain the swamp and see what's down in there. 
the voters still go for it. You know, there was a guy who got to uh, be governor in Louisiana, Edwin Edwards. He got elected from prison. I mean, he said, uh, the reason I know this is that his, uh, my cousin, Liz Galtney, worked for this uh, newspaper in New Orleans called The Gambit, and she was one of the earliest investigative journalists anywhere. And she would talk, when she was doing a piece on Edwin Edwards, she told everybody who she was working on. You know why? She might end up somewhere. But they still elected. They liked the guy. Um, I remember when Jimmy Swaggart got in trouble for all the stuff he did. People were still sending his ministry thousands of dollars. You know, people, they just, they don't want to have their way of looking at things be. I mean, I saw people on my Facebook page. Yay, Fetterman, Democrats, da-da-da. It's like it's our team, and we don't give a you-know-what. What's wrong with the guy? We just want our team to win, you know. And I think if if we've devolved that far into factionalism and we're not really interested in substance from the people that we elect to things on a national level, we're obviously not if we elected Joe Biden. And then this Fetterman guy, I mean, come on, I don't care how liberal you are. You're going to have a conversation with this guy, you know, and, and, and have him making policy or have we just admitted at this point that our politicians, the, the, the people up there, they don't really matter. It's the people behind them who are pulling the strings their donors you know the people actually writing the legislation and they're just there to push yes or no i mean i i wonder have we already gotten to that point where that's what we think i i don't i honestly believe if you're not angry you're choosing not to pay attention to what's going on um every vote is supposed to count it's a social contract you you want to feel that you make a difference but Mark my words, we have been, I should say, being robbed at gunpoint, you get it. But we are systematically being robbed freedom by freedom, rule by rule, over the last two years. And our sacred, I mean, our vote should have been the one thing that you could take take to the bank. I, I watched this guy, he was he was trying to make his point. He said, you know, talking about the tabulation machines in Arizona, which I, that 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 entire situation in Arizona makes well, the no worst sense places are California, Nevada, and Arizona, and Pennsylvania also. But I mean, but it, it could be going but on had, everywhere. Who knows? I mean, you had every every county in Arizona except for Maricopa was like seventy percent solid Cary Lake and twenty percent Katie Hobbs, solid. And Maricopa could change it. Then there were all these, the tabulation machines were broken. There were, you know, people took votes and they said they would be counted later and put into a pile. Some of them were counted, not counted. And then the the really odd, the the, the odd part about the whole thing was is that you had, um, you know, when they finally were doing the tabulations and they, the whole thing was the, the treasure, uh, what was it? The, like all the other positions got more votes than the governors did, which made no sense. That meant you just skipped over voting for the governor, yeah. but and you 
voted for the unopposed. Uh, it was like the county treasurer. But see, and the, I tell you what they did. The, the media did this prior to the election. They brought out this thing called election denier. And if they applied that to you. Right. Then it. You were in, and the Republicans being the way that they are wusses basically now, not her, but so many of the rank and file Republicans who want people to like them, they couldn't stand somebody calling them electric an election denier because that might meant they were. Well, that's Trump. like calling you a racist. Yeah, tr- you know, there, exactly. there's, it, they it were, has this immediate. They were friends of Donald Trump. You're discounted immediately. So because but, uh, you don't like Trump, which I understand, <clears throat> therefore everything else that you might object to gets called into question if you say something about it. Okay, I, fa- I just found the chart. The mine inspector unopposed gets 400,000 more votes than Carrie Lake. The Republican treasurer, not unopposed, gets 100,000 more votes than Carrie Lake. The Democrat treasurer gets 190,000 less votes than Democrat, the Democrat Hobbs. So people went in and they voted the Republican treasurer, but not the Republican governor. Is that for Maricopa County yeah, alone? Yeah, people went in and voted for the Democratic governor and the Republican treasurer. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. They, they you know, right, they, yeah. it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, okay, but let's talk about it on a national level. I will say this, and and this is what uh, amazes me. So they said that this Dobbs decision was a big thing that that brought people out. Do you understand that in the Dobbs decision, it didn't take away abortions. It simply sent the decision back to the states. So I saw people saying, oh, my God, you know, and they would say, they're going to really hear in November, and they would have pictures of the handmaid's tale or whatever that thing is. And all you've done with the reversal of Roe v. Wade is to allow your states to make the decision But you're telling me that you want the federal government to coerce your state into accepting it as a federal law. You don't want that decision to be. So what it tells me is that you're more comfortable really being a lab rat. Uh, you're, You're comfortable being told by Big Brother how things are going to be as long as Big Brother is saying what you want him to say. Well, cl- clearly media has not promoted clear-headed thinking. No, um, there's nothing. Th- this, all you've seen is viewpoints devised by sponsors and promoted as the only reasonable ones where there's money involved. So, um, and it's interesting how they, you know, that everybody said, well, the Republicans won the House. I looked at uh, Real Clear Politics. So this has been, today we're doing this, this is Tuesday. I'm sorry, this is Thursday. This is Thursday. The election <laughs> the election was on Tuesday. Pelosi stepped down today. Yeah. So nine days ago, the election took place. Just yesterday, 
it came up on real clear politics that the Republicans had gotten to 218, which is the House majority. Now, where are those states that we're not sure about? Well, I know that California has got, and they, they do what's called ballot curing out there, which means, oh, you did it wrong? You can go back and fix it. They actually receive ballots after election day in California. Think about that for a minute. How would anybody ever trust an election in California if they're receiving ballots after election day? So, you know, now they're at 218, and I don't know if anything's been added right now as we're speaking. Uh, I'll look at that. But, you know, it could stop there and they could cure the rest of them uh, for the Democrats because they, and if it's a Democrat that wins, typically they know real quick. Well, no, you were <laughs> I mean, talking. You can't make this up. No, you can't make any of this up. You can't make any of it up. I mean, and, you know, quite frankly, leadership has got to start producing or start losing serious. I mean, well, actually, they've already lost American support. I don't, I don't know anybody that thinks everything is fine and dandy. No. You've got. Yeah, you're still at 218. Uh, Democrats at 210. I'm not sure what's missing. Oh, it's, they're all in California. Almost everything that's missing is. Here's California District 3. Now, we're talking nine days later, and they've got 80% of the votes showing. And guess who's leading? A Republican. Uh, Here's California District 13. 89% of the precincts, I'm sorry, only 69%. Guess who's leading? A Republican. California District 22, only 50% reporting nine days later. But the Republican is leading 52 to 48. So what kind of ballot cure? I mean, are we going to know maybe by Christmas? I mean, this is 2022. Exactly. With, with all of the, the advancements of technology that we have. And California see, is the hotbed of technology, yeah, too. Did, did you see the thing on Facebook? If the voice, the, the show, the voice, can process 130 million votes, like during an advertisement break, you know, and, and, and figure who voted for who, why does it... Why do these elections take so long? Well, it's like the hope that rots every election cycle. It just starts. It just it starts weighing on you. You you literally are losing faith every year. I'm not. I mean, you you. I, well, mean, I still don't think it's been addressed from 2020. And I've, I'm that's a no. That's I a, think it's been addressed. I think the ones that that. Um, well, James committed, Comer. Yeah, committed whatever. What I think they've learned how to make it even better. Maybe I don't. Once it starts. Well, I mean, all the outstanding races are in California. Here's Cal. Uh, here's Colorado. Uh, they're they're trying to derail Lauren Boebert. Ninety nine percent of the vote. She's up fifty point two to forty nine point eight. They're going to do a recount on that. They'll find some votes and beat her. 
I mean, Colorado's deep blue. It's it's insane, and nobody says anything about it. California is the most crooked place in the world now. I mean, it's just amazing, but it holds up the entire system. You know, and McCarthy and these guys, what wusses. They haven't been saying, we're not going to stand for this. You know, get the damn votes in. No, they just sit on their hands like good little Republicans that are there to be the Washington generals versus the Harlem Globetrotters. And guess what? The Globetrotters are going to let them win one. Yeah. uh, That's what's happening. It's like they're letting them win one. So we know we've kind of overstepped our bounds. Now we get to demonize you for two years as you being the badass, and and you're going to basically – stop us alcoholics from drinking every bottle of whiskey in the house. And I got to agree with you that McCarthy and McConnell are definitely the leadership principles that are blocking the investigations uh, to push things forward on actually numerous conversations. Yeah, because it might end up back to them. It might look, they, they, it might look like they were involved too. You know, it, it, I don't think this is so hard. I really don't. It can be fixed. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we just have to continue to let people know that we know what's going on. We see it, you know. It, it's not that it's that hard. And I think we're going to have enough things here in our little town of Lexington. We'll see maybe if we can but, figure out how to get some uh, new uh, businesses in town. Remember we were laughing uh, when Andy Barr was here, uh, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. When we were, I was laughing about the fact that we were likening the de, you know the democracy of the United States as as kind of like a professional professional wrestling match. You know, you got two people owned by the same guy, and they're it's you know, not a do, re- doing a fight it's, to it's hustle the public. It's a republic. Well, I I know that, but we were saying that the it was kind of like you know that just out to hustle the public for their money, their rights, their. You know, they're both sides of the same coin. Birds are the same. You but know, you have to stand up for your rights. I still have the right to do this. Yeah. I, nobody's taken it away from me. I haven't been imprisoned yet. Nobody's shot me. You know, they've they've not tried to, you know. And so if you don't assert your rights, just like your exercise, you know, as a person, yeah, you got a leg. You got two legs. It Most people do if they haven't lost one. If you have a leg, if you don't exercise it and use it, it will not do what it's meant to do. Your freedoms are always somebody's going to be trying to take them away from you. What do you think advertising is? It's to set you on autopilot to go make that decision for I'm trying to make the decision for you. You know, that's why I advertise. I want to make people's decisions for them. Come to Dupree Financial Group. You know, it's not that hard. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't hear anybody else advertising it, so I'll do it. But <clears throat> the point is, if you don't exercise, if you don't exercise your own freedoms, you'll lose them. Uh, that that's not that daggone hard to figure that out. I mean, you go ahead and do what the hell you want to do. You know, if you want to go to France and drink wine, do it. Well, it takes educating yourself on some of these issues. That, that I totally agree. Oh, gosh, you all, that came in so Came hot. in hot. Sorry about that.
You took me right up to the edge. Uh, you're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton, powered by Dupree right. Financial Group. It's all good. We're at the end of the first hour. Coming up in the next hour, we'll have Adarsh Meshru joining us. And by the way, thanks for bringing that up, Tom. We want to wish Missy Clifton a happy, happy birthday. She loves her birthday so, so we want to yeah. put it on out there. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. <laughs>